Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have Chris from Raya Media on the show, and we're going to get to that momentarily. Um, I don't. I've been debating whether or not I wanted to talk about this on the show. Um, I don't really know why I would, but I feel compelled to. Uh, but my mom actually went in for uh, some routine surgery on Friday, and she was supposed to be in and out. Um, you know, she's supposed to be able to go home the next day and she's had some complications, uh, since, and yeah, she's in pretty rough shape and a lot of, a lot of things going wrong. Um, yeah, so she's going to be in the hospital for a bit and we're kind of still not, it's not clear on how it's all going to turn out. So, uh, if, if I seem a little low energy throughout this intro, then that's why I apologize. Um, and you might be thinking, well, why don't you just not do this episode? Um, and I thought about it, taking some time, but uh, I think I need to do something like this to keep my mind occupied so I don't worry um, too much. So yeah, uh, I don't know why I felt like I needed to share that, but one reason I guess that it's pertinent information is if things, you know, continue to get worse um we might be missing some pod mod episodes coming up but i'm gonna try my best to not have that uh happen yeah so thanks for dealing with my possible oversharing yeah but let's let's change the mood let's let's get the mood changed up a little bit um i want to play uh, a little patch that i made on my new novation summit here and because we're approaching the holidays well we're in we're in the holiday season right now um i thought i would play something that sounded a little cheery and christmasy uh and also i want to use this as an opportunity to uh let y'all know that i'm i'm still open to submissions for the holiday episode that'll come out around christmas time um so yeah if you have some holiday music that you've made or if you want to make some I would like to feature that on the show. Uh, if you've been listening long enough, you know that I don't really like most holiday music. Um, and I like the holidays a lot. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the music's kind of bad. And uh, I want to change that. Let's be the change we want to see in the world. So let's all make some cool, weird holiday music and then weird out our relatives at our Christmas parties with it. I think that would be really fun. Um, so yeah, here's my summit. And here's a little uh, patch that I made. I'm going to just play like a, I've got a, an arpeggiator on and i got the key latch on. So I think I'm just going to do like a, a B major, some sort of B major inversion. And just listen to just how Christmassy this is. And never mind the guy driving his really loud truck in the background. love about this right out of the box is um the arpeggiator section uh 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan of arpeggios, and uh, you have all these different, uh, you know, some pretty standard types of arpeggios, so you could go down to just the up. So it's just gonna climb, ascending, and then you could go to descending from your highest to lowest note. So these are all pretty standard. Then there's the up and down. And then there's an up and down times two, so I think it goes up twice and then down twice. Um, and then, you know, my favorite is uh, random. This is the play, the play version. Um, and then the random is, like I said, my favorite. Especially if you're doing like really sprawling inversions um, or mixtures of chords, for instance, let's why don't we do a little mix of a happy and sad, and I think it'll sound it'll sound pretty Christmassy. Um, so actually, let's do a B major with a C sharp minor. See what that does to us. And then maybe to an F sharp major, major or have F sharp minor, but hold that uh, B major still. And let's get really crazy, and now let's do our root. Uh, let's let's do that with a C minor, and then uh, play a B major up top. Getting real crazy now. But I mean, you know, it's not that Christmassy yet, right? That's what these are for. So yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, this synth is so much fun. It's so what I really love about it is uh, you can you can really hit the ground running right out out of the box. And if you've been listening to this show long enough, then you know that's how I like that. That's a really valuable feature to me with a piece of gear is can I just start playing it without reading the manual? Um, if you have like a basic understanding of how, you know, desktop synths work, then you can definitely have a lot of fun. You'll, you'll, you'll do some things and you'll be like, I have no idea what's happening here, but a lot of it is pretty intuitive. So after you mess with it for a while, you'll start figuring it out. Um, so you can go really, really far with this without reading the manual. In fact, all the voices that I've made so far, all these patches, um, were all made before I even cracked the manual. Uh, tasty. Let's check this out with the arpeggiator. Oh, I didn't even get to my favorite part of the arpeggiator. Um, so yeah, sorry. Oh, and then there's one more. There's the chord mode for the arpeggiator. But here's where it gets really cool. I'm just going to bypass the effects really quick. I'm going to turn this, the modulation envelope a bit up. So there is this rhythm knob for the um, for the arpeggiator. So I'll just go all the way to left. Mm -hmm. 
buttons. So let's turn this down. Oops, I just changed the voice. That's not what I wanted to do. Now I gotta make those changes all over again. Nice, Tim. There we go. Okay. Thanks for your patience. Um, so again, all the way, uh, the potentiometer or knob for the rhythm is all the way to the left. So let's just turn it up a notch. And I'll just keep going through these rhythms. And of course, you know, let's go to the up and down, the, the up twice, down twice. It just adds a little bit of flavor to it. So it's not just, you know, your standard arpeggio. And, you know, for those of us who like to construct tracks, um, you know, just, uh, you know, by piece by piece and building our own samples and then, you know, doing, doing the actual construction in the DAW, this is really, really useful because you could do these really cool chord progressions um, or arpeggios um, at different rhythms but within the same tempo and then you can just like, okay, I like this, you know, I like this C minor like this, right? But let's say I want to go to my F minor or F sharp minor, um, you know, it's okay, it's the same thing, but if we just like recorded the F sharp minor here, and then, and you can, as you can see, like with some practice, you could dial it in. Um, but yeah, I'm just scratching the surface right now. Uh, there's so much more to learn about this thing and I'm really excited to do that. Uh, so yeah, welcome to my summit journey. Um, we'll be talking about this uh, for a long time throughout the next year because I've never mastered a piece of gear. I'm not saying I'm gonna master this, but I want to get really good at this. I want to get really proficient to where I could pull off like a whole live show with this. Not that I plan on doing that, but that would be a pretty cool skill to have. Um, so yeah. But yeah, just such ease of um, changing parameters, you know, so you can you could do a lot of damage with this live. Um, and I didn't even get to the effects section. I'll talk about that on a uh, future episode. I usually don't really like when pieces of gear have built-in effects, like mixers or synths, but this, these reverbs and delays, and uh, there's a really nice chorus, uh, a really cool distortion. I will show you that right now, because it's fucking cool. Yeah, so that's really nice. Um, and then the filter has an overdrive as well. But yeah, there's this thing's so deep, so much to get to. But uh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that soon. Um, I think I'm just going to sit here with it, though, and maybe plink on it while I do the rest of the business for the show. Um, so first up, I'd like to say thank you to Patchworks for their continued support of Podular Modcast. If you're thinking about picking up a, a Summit or a Peak or any other Novation product, head over to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. You can also get, you know, if 
think you could probably get just about every module that's in this case right here, this Needham Woodworks case behind me, um, you could probably get those at, at, uh, at Patchworks. P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. And my light just went out. Shit. All right, well, I'm going to have to take a break and charge it. I'll be back. And we're back. Uh, so like I was mentioning, Patchworks, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. While you're there, why don't you check out their wide variety of After Later Audio modules. I would like to thank After Later Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Let's see. Let's check out another voice that I made here. Um, I know there's... Let's see. Did We did this one. Oh, no, we didn't. That's pretty nice. Um, what else is there to talk about? I mentioned the holiday tracks. I am going to still do the remix competition. So let's talk deadlines. Um, I'm going to push the remix competition out for a while because I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Like, should I do the remix competition or the holiday track? So why don't we uh, make the the deadline for the uh, the remix competition competition january 15th 2023 and then for the uh the holiday music let's see what do we got here as i'm recording this it's december 5th so why don't we say december december 15th is a deadline you can send your tracks to podmodcast at gmail.com uh please send wave files if you can um what else? I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about, but I'm just so distracted by playing this lovely synthesizer that's in front of me. Um, I would like to thank everybody who supports the show on Patreon. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's what keeps the old LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. And if you would like to help out, head over to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Link in the show description. Uh, something you know, I'm doing the video, that's new. So something new that's coming along with the video is uh, whole extra portions of the end of the show. So I have these philosophical questions that I've been asking the guests at the end of the show. Uh, and then the show ends before they answer. Ooh, nice cliffhanger. Um, and if you want to check that out, there's, you know, it ranges, I've only done three, um, but it ranges from 15 minutes to 30 minutes of extra content. And, you know, if, if we get on a real tear and are, and really start chewing the fat about something, uh, deep and philosophical, then, you know, it could be a whole full length extra episode. Um, what else? Uh, you know, random, I just like to randomly give stuff away over there, uh, upload sample packs. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really important to, uh, to me to keep trying to get more people to join because I couldn't do the show without Patreon. So yeah, if you want more pod mod and cooler pod mod content, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast.
yeah, that's that's about all I've got for you for intro stuff. We're going to talk to Chris from uh, Raw Yaw Media, and uh, he's going to do some on-the-show demos of his modules, and they're pretty mind-blowing. I'm very, very excited to get my hands on some of these. Um, so yeah, why don't we get into that? And we're live with Chris Barth of Raw Yaw Media. Welcome back to the show. You were on a while ago, pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess I was thinking about it. That has to have been a couple years now, or we made it down to, is it like the South Park, one of the breweries around there? Yeah, yeah, Seattle Light down there in South Park. And we were talking about the uh, the Lucio thing, I think, where you, I, I think you were part of the, the it was like a quad quad show and uh i think you were doing the visuals with nick with allotrope ijk um, yeah yeah i think we technically called that performance wavelength it's kind of a cool collaboration with modular seattle and also philip kobernick hopefully okay. i pronounced his last name right but like yeah for that, was, we, we did has yeah, he been on, he the, show on again? the show too right with with you like we yeah. were yeah that was a weird one because we were sitting down at a brewery right by a loud road <laughs> yeah yeah but i gotta respect the field recorder lifestyle of just doing anything anywhere kind of thing yeah oh yeah i love doing that i've done i've done quite a few um in fact i just i just saw a negative review on on the podcast because i did it i i uh was lucky enough to get to go to suzanne chiani's house with ellison from waveform and i just had my little field recorder and we were sitting outside so it wasn't the highest quality but i was like yeah, but it's Suzanne Chiani. Like, just get over the quality. It's fine. Um, but does yeah. that mean you got to go to like that sick beach house that I think they had in the Life of Waves documentary yep. they were in or whatever? Yeah, like? I, I was. I stood on that that porch looking at that ocean, and yeah, it was so it was so cool. She like she was feeding us uh, like crab and like she had like crab dinner the night before and had made a bunch of cookies. So we were just like hanging out we were there for like four or five hours i did her dishes it was fucking crazy um she was so cool and so nice that's like the ultimate fanboy like moment oh, i feel like it was just nuts i'm always I, blown I, away by the legacy of susan chiani like i think if i met her in person i would just kind of like drop dead on the spot or something in shock you know oh i was so nervous going up to her house but like she just was instantly disarming because she's so she's so kind and sweet and yeah i was just like sitting next to her on her piano bench while she was playing her bukla it's just like i'm sitting in Chian suzanne chiani's house right next to her while she's playing a bukla like what the what is my life what is what is the world what's happening it was That's that crazy. same weekend I mean actually because we went to san francisco um ellis and i Ellison and I also got to go to uh, the sequential circuits office and sit in Dave Smith's office and and interview him as well. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I've that had, feels I've, once in a lifetime. This is totally like, you've got me all totally. excited, all jealous yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I really I I know this is your episode. I hate to like bogart it all with like my cool stories, but yeah, the, the show has definitely like doing this show has, has, uh, afforded me some pretty insane, insane opportunities to talk to people that I never thought I would ever meet or yeah, it's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of respect to just doing it. I mean, 
it's funny the things you can accomplish just as one person with the mindset of, well, I'll, I'll just try it and we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll learn from it. But yeah, some of these situations you find yourself in feel like the fates aligning correctly for you or something. Yeah. 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 It's I've, I feel so, so lucky to, I, I feel ve- there, there are two things like that, that the universe provided me one. There was like no, there was no modular podcast when I started recording episodes. And then by the time I was about to release Mylar melodies had started his and I was like, Oh, well now mine's mine's dead in the water. The Mylar is like well-established and respected, but I always say thank you so much, Mylar, for not doing weekly episodes, <laughs> only doing monthly. Because had he, had he done weekly episodes, I would have been, yeah, wouldn't have. But yeah, um, uh, but yeah, we're not here to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I feel like when we first met and you were doing this stuff, like you weren't into modular at all. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny to look back on the past couple of years and kind of the boredom with COVID and how things have completely changed in terms of interest. Because I think when I first met you, uh, I was doing the video jockey stuff with Nick Bigelow. I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks in Seattle know that guy. But we had that video jockey collective, Alatro by JK. And it was kind of this world of just writing a lot of different software for video effects and trying to figure out a way to perform it and stuff like that. Um, and so I kind of got us plugged into the modular Seattle scene. I think Patchworks and modular Seattle has been kind of this great, um, creative hub for meeting a lot of like-minded people in the city and stuff. And that got us put onto a lot of different shows, a lot of different bills, like the wavelength set you were talking about. We built some different like 3d scenes with quadraphonic audio mapping and kind of real time visuals that would follow all of the, the audio sources and stuff like that. And, you know, I, when I first took a glimpse at, you know, modular Eurorack stuff, I it's exciting to see. I like the technology, but I was always like, oh, that's really expensive. I should avoid mm-hmm. that at all costs. <laughs> like, I'm a fan of synths, but I was already spending so much money on video gear, which is kind of in its own world of random things you just need to put on a production. Mm-hmm. And then seeing also all probably these very modules. Expensive. Yeah. yeah, definitely expensive. I, I guess at this point, I don't really know which is more expensive. I think... <laughs> A lot of like the analog video synthesis stuff like LZX and, and stuff like that is really kind of expensive. But even just having like HDMI cables converted to SDI to do long cable runs feels like hundreds of dollars to set up correctly. So it's been this huge money pit over the years. So like yeah. even go like it makes me think going into the Velocity Trade Show this year, I had a booth with a video set up and you know, the night before I broke my tower PC that I was using. Oh, I remember says, talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> just the nightmare of software, live software changes tried out in the middle of a show, you know, versus things you buy off the shelf and hope readily work. So I don't know. But that's a long rant. I'd say getting back into audio, you know, I started going to the different modular Seattle, modular on the spot nights and it. It was cool, so eventually gave into that first thought of, oh, I'll get into analog video synth, your rack, and that seems pretty limited in terms of scope of products or things to geek out on, so naturally it trickled over into audio, and here we are today. I think I've shipped two different Eurorack modules at this point and have like two more maybe in production right now, so 
things have completely changed and a lot of my time doesn't go towards video synthesis anymore and it's ended up on this raw yaw media kick so yeah yeah i remember going i went into patchworks and uh i was chatting with nick and you know just like you know show me some show me some stuff you're excited about and then he showed me a monolith and he yeah. told me that you made it and i was like wait what i didn't even know he was into modular <laughs> now he's like making modules so like I guess how, what was that journey like you get into it and then all of a sudden you're like wait i could make these like how, how did that happen why like what made you want to get into it you know it definitely is a product of covid um and just a lot of free time because yeah. i i first saw like the daisy patch it was this thing floating around this you know c plus plus module that you can write code for yourself and it was like oh I've got a lot of free time. I wonder what it's like to actually, you know, write oscillators, like software for oscillators and stuff like that. And so I picked up one of those modules, you know, I think it's quickly ballooned. I might have like nine to 10 of them at this point in time. And it's just <laughs> kind of getting into that world of like, oh, I've got complete custom setups. Like maybe I should start thinking about doing hardware design or actually productizing some of these things compared to just, you know, living in my own secretive world of random software. <laughs> I think, you know, some different people, I'm on some different discords right now too, and folks have been pretty encouraging. So I, there's actually people that are trying out some different, you know, beta firmwares I have for the patch over the COVID years and, and stuff like that. And now I'm just kind of at this point where we always speculated, hey, we could take the same, you know, platform. It's a really sick open source license, kind of do whatever you feel like with it and, and get it into some other product form that just feels like it hones in on what we're trying to do in Seattle or it's like kind of a, you know, cool thing for the community and stuff. And that's kind of taken a long time, but now has turned into actual hardware. So it feels pretty good. At yeah. This point that's in time. so it's, cool. Yeah. You have two available you, right now, right? An oscillator and, and then the monolith, which is like a pitch shifting reverb with, with like a DJ filter on it. And yeah. So monolith is pretty cool. Um, it's definitely like a reverb idea with a DJ filter. Like I've had the, you know, what is it? The WMD overseer for a long time. And I've always been kind of a fan of some DJ filter in the mix. And Monolith was like, oh, if, if I'm making a lot of digital noise and hardware stuff and I want to just do like high pass, like long running ambient tones and things, like having a DJ filter into a reverb is pretty sick. But then on top of that, Monolith is also just like, I had this initial software idea where, you know, I was starting to mess with pitch and just kind of learning that that thought process that playback speeds can, you know, be quantized and directly mapped to like specific pitch changes and stuff like that, like the VOC tracking thought process. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, maybe I can start writing software to do like pass through FM effects, kind of thinking this way of playback speeds and manipulating stuff. And so... Monolith, in addition to having like the DJ filter and reverb is a lot of, you know, FM processing or you can just apply this FM pitch shifting sweeps to any arbitrary input signal. And it's been fun to use with like different vocals and stuff like that. But that's yeah. kind of the basis of that module. Uh, apologies yeah. if I'm pretty long winded on this. <laughs> oh, no, this is that's the whole this is the this is the. Uh the forum for, for, for you to be long winded about the stuff you're making for sure. Um, I just watched the easy bot video where, where he was putting his voice through it. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I really want to try that thing out. It, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, 
Before we get too deep into the weeds on the modules, though, something I was thinking about is like you and I have, um, you know, we've hung out a few times and have talked a few times, but like I don't really know you that well. So I kind of <laughs> wanted to get a little bit of your backstory. Like, are you from the Northwest? Where'd you grow up? And like, how did you find yourself like getting into you know, like artistic creation. I won't even say music because you, you kind of do so much. I, I, you do like digital art too, or painting and stuff. Is that yeah. Right? You know, do a lot of painting. Um, I've been kind of getting into Polaroid printing, which seems like an expensive hobby, but yeah. kind of a cool way to document <laughs> some of the, the video art we've done. Um, you know, funny to think, but it's been a while, I, I guess even with painting and technology, like I love like Axie draw plotters and stuff too. And was, spending a lot of time trying to write programs to paint paintings for me, like automate everything, automate the world. But yeah, <laughs> at this point it's just kind of all over the place and it's more, Hey, what's coming up event wise. And then we figure out what we need to do like technology yeah. wise to match it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So wait, where are you from? Yeah. So I'm not from the Northwest. I'm actually from uh, Kansas city, Missouri. Uh, no shit. Okay. Yeah, so Midwest born and raised, pretty much grew up in Kansas City all of my like childhood, adolescence, and then I ended up moving to Chicago for a while to go to school and was living in the city there for maybe like five or six years, uh, and then moved out this way to Seattle, kind of following the tech crowd or various corporate tech jobs, and been in Seattle now, I think, seven to eight, eight years. Uh, okay. I don't know. It's all a blur. Like you look yeah. back on those years and I don't even couldn't think what I was doing like a month ago, let alone. Yeah. Seven right. Years I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that story, man. Like I keep saying like, yeah, my wife and I just bought a house, but like it's been, now it's been over a year, but it's, it's weird. <laughs> I feel like we just moved in, but I also feel like I've lived here forever. Same thing with a podcast. I'm going on five years, but it, that just look when I say that out loud, it's like, what? How the fuck is that possible? But yeah. And it's just like as you yeah. get older, time just becomes more blurry and faster. And yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So I've been out in Seattle for a while, uh, specifically for like the tech scene, like the corporate tech scene out here rocks if you want the big bucks and the like the fancy jobs and stuff. And uh, I think also I've just been really enjoying like some of the tech scene here, some of like the you know, 3D development that's going on for all of the game companies in Bellevue or like some of the other big name tech companies too. So it's been like a really cool um, city in my opinion. I mean, Chicago, nothing against it. I think I was too young to be living in a city at that time because it wasn't really 21. It was kind of a, a weird, you know, gray area of well, what are you supposed to do when you're irresponsible and you can't really go to the irresponsible places and stuff. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> Like Seattle's <laughs> been this nice thing with all the different venues like Kremwerk and Timber Room and like Monkey Loft and all this DJ crews mm -hmm. in town too. There's just so much to do here. Yeah. So many events going on all the time. Yeah, really strong uh, electronic scene here. And I'm just like so endlessly thankful to, you know, Tom and Cindy from Patchworks and then, you know, Bradley and Josh getting modular on the spot and modular Seattle going and just kind of like I – I, I had friends, you know, that were kind of all over who maybe didn't know each other, who I'd met through like playing various gigs at. And now like everybody knows everybody and it just feels really coalesced and, and really open and, and enthusiastic. And it's, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. 
It's cool. You know, I feel like Patrick's is even on like subsequent waves of new people. Like even just over the past couple of years, it feels like there's fresh faces coming in there all the time. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like once they got that new shop and like after uh, they got the new shop and like once like COVID restrictions let up, the last few times I've gone in there and there's like 10 people and I'm like, I don't know any of you. And then, you know, I've got to meet, you know, like Jesse and Connie and, uh, and Matt and, you know, like just, there are like so many cool people there. It's, 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 I'm sorry if I left your name out, I don't want to sit here and just like name every Patrick's <laughs> employee, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. great place. Yeah. I really, like, I don't think I would have gotten to your rack if that shop hadn't existed, to be honest, like just, such an expensive barrier to entry, not really yeah. a ton of places to try things out, but that in the city has been awesome. And, and, you know, I think the other thing that cracks me up is all these people you're listing off to are now turning into all like awesome electronic music performers in the city. So totally. it's just like almost this breeding ground for artistry too. Like, I don't know uh-huh. if it's the Patchworks employee discount or something or how people <laughs> are like getting up in these spaces and so successful, but like... It's uh, more and more shows now, like so much yeah. to go see so many people trying to put on stuff. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Like basement state is like in full effect and uh, yeah, so much cool stuff. And I'm sure you being like, like pretty good buds with, with Nick Bigelow uh, that, that, that probably didn't, didn't help or hurt you getting into uh, <laughs> <laughs> getting into this expensive hobby. <laughs> Yeah, Nick is definitely a gear king. Um, I'll give him some credit because he's a lot better at flipping things. Like if he's tired of something, he'll actually move off it and doesn't just hold on to a lot of stuff that, you know, collects dust in his house. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm kind of the opposite, a real hoarder. And so I have just tons of modules now that sit in drawers that aren't even in cases. And I stare at it and I'm like, I should probably sell these or maybe I should just try and give them away to people in the community. But I don't know. For now, it's yeah. just all cluttered all the time and all yeah. embrace it and, and tell myself that in a couple months, I'll still be using all these things. I don't know. All right. Well, you know, it's a double-edged sword because like I'm, I'm, I'm always wheeling and dealing, um, you know, always trying to trade and, and, and stuff like that. Cause I like to try stuff out and then, but there, there, there are a handful of modules that I like got rid of before I knew what I was doing. And now I'm like, I shouldn't have got rid of that because like, I really don't, I don't make enough money to buy modules. So like, luckily people like send me stuff to demo. And then I just like, you know, I just have a good like rotation of being able to trade with people and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, I think there, there's definitely, it is weird. Cause like you're saying like, well, I could give these away. It's like something that I I did a little a little bit ago and something that I want to do in the future as as I get more modules piling up um is just like do giveaways and because it is so expensive like another thing I like fantasize about is just like well if I hoard them now maybe I can actually start my own synth library um or like yeah. build cases to let people use to like for like some sort of uh what do they call those like a, a residency type thing or something like that but yeah, that all sounds awesome. I mean, I think I've thought through some of the logistics on that, and I don't think I pay close enough attention to the things I let people borrow to ever assume anything will come back. But <laughs> I think the residency setup or something that, like, where you've got a studio and everything is just self-contained, it's like show up here, use it, leave, don't take it with you. Maybe that would be more successful. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it just sounds like cool though. 
yeah well it'd be you know being down here in tacoma um and you know just like with the economic like the 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 class division that's just keeps widening and and everything it's like it just bums me out that you know your your socioeconomic status can affect so much of the tools that you have available for your creativity and i know that like scarcity can breed innovation but also it's like it would be cool to like set something up where you know like some younger people can come in and just like try stuff out and and if they want to make music with it you know like think of some sort of lending um program where they could yeah. borrow it for a month and create something and help them promote that and hope maybe they can like play a show and get some money so they could actually buy their own setup or something like that but this is all like pie in the sky dream if uh <laughs> if the podcast ever like became like my job and my only job then i could have time to do something like that so speaking of visit patreon.com um <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah no i i, like I, I get you well, I mean, today's dreams are tomorrow's success stories, right? So it's yeah. just you got to put together the the actual feasible plan of like here's the the residency or something. Maybe it's just a shed in your backyard or something to start out. Right. I don't know. There's but, actually this 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 little. Um, so I live in the neighborhood uh, a neighborhood called Fern Hill, and the, like the down downtown Fern Hill is literally like a half of a block, and there's like a couple restaurants and like a but there's there's this storefront there's this little tiny white building that's sitting empty it's been empty the whole time i've been here and i'm like how cool would it be to like make like a little like synth library that also like had like movie nights where you like played cool movies and like had coffee or something just some sort of like place people could go for like culture and stuff um you know so that's kind of like something yeah. that like if i if i ever become financially solvent that's something i would really like to do <laughs> Well, rooting for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't know how long or how far out any of that stuff is, but all yeah, of it sounds I, cool. Yeah, I don't That's know. Like, on my end, sometimes I dream of moving back to Kansas City or something just because I think the cost of living would be cut in half and some of those spaces I think would be a lot easier to fund or actually find like, you know, retail mm -hmm. leases that don't make you cry kind of thing. Right. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's know. why we ended up in Tacoma. Like, you know, my wife at the time worked for the city of Seattle and we couldn't afford to buy. There's no way we could have bought. Like we, we could have maybe afforded like a small condo or a townhouse, maybe. Yeah. Um, but down here we have a two story, three bedroom, two bathroom house with a two outbuildings and a yard. And it's like, oh yeah way more the, yeah. the money goes a lot further down here <laughs> um yeah I, you know i wonder it from time to time like if seattle is at this point where it becomes too expensive and not to say that like the the city sprawl doesn't become just as popular as something but maybe some of the main venues you'd care about in the heart of the city just are relevant and people are going to more random suburbs or places that they don't expect to be for some of these things because yeah i don't know like, I feel I, like there's been a yeah. slew of a lot of different DIY spaces here lately that we've been seeing close, like some of our favorite dive bars, like Victory Lounge and stuff. That Victory Lounge? a lot of local banks. It's on its last breath. If you need to go, it's it's done into the month, so oh, into fuck, December. Oh, that sucks. 
Uh, yeah. What's the what's the event space that they do right next door? You know, um, I think there's the Black Lodge that is some sort of youth practice space, or maybe not youth, but DIY practice space. And then Lo-Fi is right next to there too, and has had a lot of cool, um, yeah, different like electronic setup nights. I, think I played Lo-Fi, a show at Lo-Fi once to yeah. the other people that were playing the show with me, and the uh, the bartender, and then a, a girl that I was talking to on Tinder showed up for like. 20 minutes of it <laughs> oh these are the success story <laughs> right yeah this was this was pre-modular um actually i've played there twice but yeah um it's a great little they they got that like space in the back too that's um i like i like that but that sucks about victory victory is a cool place um, yeah so you know things are changing i don't i don't know there's probably for every victory there's probably three things that have tried to replace it but all polished yeah. up and not as like homey divey that everybody likes. I don't know. We'll see yeah. how it pans out. But like even thinking about lo-fi, that entire block of those three like venues or bars, whatever you'd consider them, has had a, a, like a rough couple of years because I don't know if it was this year or last year, but a car just blasted into the side of lo-fi and they had to cancel oh. a lot of shows, I remember. Oh, shit. Just like a random collision happened and it took out the whole front wall. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. Well, that's also a weird, now we're getting really like into the details of Seattle geography, but it's in like a weird neighborhood being, and being so close to like, um, you know, like Westlake area and stuff is like, that's, that's getting a lot more affluent down there and stuff. And I, I really, I'm not just saying this because I moved down here, um, and because I had to move down here, but I really do think that Tacoma is, uh, is going to be the place for more like cool um and you know esoteric art and culture um because it's like it, it surprised me like i actually yeah. i love tacoma i think it's a badass town there's a lot of cool stuff going on and it just seems like yeah i think i think it's on the up and up and i want to that's one of the reasons i want to try to do like some sort of library or event space or something i think that would be so cool yeah but, well Again, rooting for you. I want to yeah, see it happen. Thanks. thanks. So maybe I can even hold you accountable. I'll ask you in a week how that how yeah, it's going. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think I need more than a week, but yeah, maybe next by next year this time, be like, do you have a business plan set up yet? But I mean, I got to make the podcast uh, six, like like successful in in the way that I need it to be first. But uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you turn uh, into this this huge Tacoma fanboy, I think I only have one qu- other question. Did you grow up watching Hey Arnold? I did. Um, I was like, just like, I think I was just getting like to the age where the Nickelodeon type like cartoons and stuff. I I think I was just aging out by Hey Arnold, but I definitely watched like probably the first like season or two uh, in middle school. I I think I learned the other day that the entire setting of Hey Arnold is actually based on Tacoma. No shit. And if you look at it, like some of the buildings and stuff, and I think there's a lot of just random overpasses over like residential areas in the show. I think it actually, it adds up. Like maybe oh that is where the creator was from or something. Like, I, I feel like I, like, I can't even wait till after we're done. I have to, I have to <laughs> Google this right now. Hey, Arnold Tacoma, that would be so cool. Um, I could be completely wrong, but, I, <laughs> but I'll just claim it on this and say it's completely right. <laughs> Let's see. Hillwood is the city where Arnold lives and where most events take place. It is located in Washington State, as revealed in the episode Road Trip. 
and evidence throughout other episodes. The city's name is never explicitly said in the show, but it's uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's kind of like, well, I don't need to read this whole article, but Hillwood would make sense because like, um, what's, what is it? There's Hilltop, which was like, yeah, and, you know the neighbor, like one of the big neighborhoods here. But uh, welcome to uh, yeah. two two nerds discuss uh, <laughs> Washington geography. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm bummed that you that uh, that it didn't work out for you to come down. But I, I I would like you to come down and check out the studio, and and maybe we could go go check out Tacoma if you haven't haven't seen it much because it, there's there's some pretty cool little pockets. Um, it's definitely a yeah. cool space. I'd like to get you like a skiff too to try out some of these modules. So oh, I'll yeah, figure something too. out. Just kind of the dilemma today: if you go outside and you look at your car, you're like, "Oh, this tire is completely flat. I don't really want to drive an hour and pray that right. it doesn't yeah, screw yeah. on the way." Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, we figured it out. Um, so yeah, let's see. I, I, so you start making these modules, you know, because you're just like bored, and you you have the you have the underlying skills to be able to write these codes and stuff. So like monoliths, the first one. Um, like what, yeah. what was like, like why, why all that functionality in one thing? And like, was, was there like a module that you were using and you were like, oh, I kind of wish I like this module, but I kind of wish it also did this or, or like, what were, what was like the inspiration for like putting all these functions together into one thing? You know, I, I've used a lot of different delay effects or different reverb effects over the years. Um, I'm not going to claim that Monolith is the best performance tool. I think it's more just, <laughs> hey, let's see what kind of weird ambient spaces you can create or more like sound design for 3D worlds or something. Like, hey, like how do you just get an ambient wall going and, and let it ride and just have that in the background all day? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things about Monolith, like the FM processor, like processing step, it was something that I felt was really interesting. Like the reverb and DJ filter could maybe be called add-ons to that as just an initial idea of like, how could this be used in a performance context? But as I've used it more, like I find it being something that just, if you leave it out of sync with like main clocks in, or it doesn't map directly to your tempo of what you're doing, you get some really crazy just sways and ambient tones that like sound completely unintentional or like almost like you're messing up a performance that I, that I really like, mm -hmm. like getting into that space of, Hey, this clearly sounds like someone physically made this versus it sounds like some sort of cookie cutter machine learning generated, you know, wave file is, is one of the exciting things I find in monolith. Cause there's like a lot of hacky development choices or things that if you talk to real DSP nerds, they'd be like, why the hell are you doing it that way? That's like a terrible choice or uh -huh. maybe generate some additional poppiness or like doesn't handle aliasing a, a different frequencies correctly. And it's just like, well, I, I don't care about that. I want to make something that sounds like just like this weird world of, of sounds that you collected with a field recorder, like recorder one time and you'll never get them again kind of thing. That's, but, I mean, that's, that's for me, that's kind of like the spirit of modular in a lot of ways like i like everything that you just said like when somebody says like yeah i kind of did it all like the way you're you you're not supposed to and people who do this you know like for big audio companies or something would would 
like shake their head at me. And that's, that's like the stuff that I would be like, Oh, well, I want to try that out before I try out the, you know, like the most well engineered perfectly, you know, like that I'm so much more drawn to something like that. So, and I think that that is, I think that ripples throughout the modular scene and, you know, so many developers aren't, they all, they, they started, you know, doing, you know, I've talked to so many people who I was sure are electrical engineers and it's like, no, they just started circuit bending stuff. And then they learned how to do this stuff, either writing code or building circuits just so they could make the thing that they wanted to make. And so there was way more of an emphasis on learning like the fundamentals and, um, and more of an emphasis on, I just want to like make something that's super unique and weird and, you know, music technology has been around for a long time and, you know, like it's, it's hard to reinvent the wheel. And I think a lot of the times you have to make like a fucking wheel that is super clunky to, to make it unique. And I, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The clunky wheel. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's, I don't know. I just subscribe to the idea of bad ideas only, you know, like like a big company would never want to rip off. Like I, you got to figure out how to make something that Behringer would be like, I want nothing to do with recreating that. (laughs) So, So that's the inspiration for the monolith. I mean, that's kind of the inspiration for all of them thus far. I started out with that reverb and was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like, nice sound effect. I like it. Like, let's build a full system. And so mm-hmm. that's been like the, tr- the trickle out of like Dizygote as an oscillator. It's more a product of like, oh, I need a sound source to, you know, feed into Monolith to actually start doing just like a full soundscape of my own. Mm-hmm. And I've got this other one that I've been working on too called Taurus. I don't know if that'll be the name when it gets released. It's seeming that way, but that's another one where it's like, oh, you know, I bought a Tascam like tape recorder to do like dubs to tape and was like, this sucks. I hate this setup. Like, can I just get a Eurorack module that's like maybe causes just as many problems with like the sound quality or like cuts things up weirdly and, and make something with that. And so, I mean, so I is know. it going to be like, is that like, uh, like a sampler that you record direct into and has like some sort of tape emulation or? I wouldn't say it has tape emulation. You know, I can actually play some sounds through it today. It's hooked up in this in this skiff I've got here, but it's it's supposed to be a step sequence, like a step sequencer sampler. Um, so it's like it's got different sample buffers that you can record, like maybe four different parts, and you can do pattern chaining of those parts. But the main thing I was focused on is just having a pass through sampler kind of setup that's clock synced. So that you've got like your sequencer or something driving your whole system. And how can you use that global clock off your sequencer to then drive a sampler and then, you know, live recut different sounds and do different manipulations of sounds, like whether reversing different notes and, and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like a performance sampler in that sense, but not like the traditional, hey, send a gate signal in to this, the sound you want to play. It's like, hey, no, this is specifically for overdubbing and it's more like an effect that's going to be applied to your signal in the background as you just tear up what you recorded and stuff like that. But oh, wow. Okay. Another one of those things that's like a, a bad ideas only <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like things that you're like, this is what I want to do in Ableton after I record something. Why can't I just do it in a live performance? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, are you, are you like still um, like beta testing it yourself or are you like, like, 
so it, it mean, obviously you said it's, it's not like done or out yet. Is it not out because you're just kind of waiting to like get the production going or is it not out because you're still figuring out exactly how, what you want it to be and how it to work? Yeah. I mean, there's been some different hardware changes I've made. Um, it's not out because it, the software is incomplete or like some of the okay. things are like, eh, that's a rough edge that wouldn't really make sense to hand to someone and say, good luck. Versus <laughs> I've got some things to fix on my end still, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Thinking about like timelines or just the whole aspect of raw media and stuff. This was an idea that I had probably at the beginning of COVID. And I think I've been through diff five different hardware prototypes of this at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And finally, it's like, yeah, this is good enough. I just need to like ship it and throw it over the wall and not think about it anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that day is rapidly approaching. And I think kind of beginning of next year, a couple of things for production to still figure out, but have kind of got line of sight now to actually getting this into people's hands. Because I've handed out some demos to different folks I've met over Discord this year and have gotten some different feedback and at least have gotten thumbs up of like, yeah, you should make that product. Even if it won't sell, we'll see. <laughs> yeah yeah it's more <laughs> enough excitement to be like yeah i would probably use this one time at least and it's like well that's my quality bar so let's do it yeah well speaking of um yeah just like multiple iterations and everything like you know i working with after later um i you know the the bleep bloop 2000 that module that yeah. we released yeah. with my dumb face on it well that was like a joke module i mean it's it is fun and it's kind of you know, it, it's it's weird and interesting but like it's just way too big for what it is so like we only did a hundred of them but um this this was this is the first iteration of my next module but like oh yeah i have to, i can't just like like i was trying to explain it to lenny and he's like draw it out for me and then when i was like trying to like i couldn't like get the inspiration and motivation to dry it draw it but i was just recently getting into painting so I just like yeah. did a painting of it and, and it's, and it's totally, now it's totally different than what this painting is. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, I know how that goes. Like we just, we just got our, our, our second or third prototype in this just like last week and it, we haven't even built it yet, but I'm just like, I think it's done and I'm, I'm so, so excited for it. I hope, I hope it is. I hope it's done. Um, but yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what it is you know, uh, when we're done recording. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'd love to hear about it. It's kind of an interesting world. You know, I've, I've worked in software a long time, but haven't really done a ton with hardware or have done like big corporate hardware projects where they have these evaluation builds that come in and you're like, I, this feels like the final product. I don't understand what we're evaluating here. Whereas with your stuff, like something show up is like, well, none of this works. Back to the drawing board. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. You do these schematics entirely. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. You know, we're living in crazy times that you can submit like PCB manufacturing, like Gerber files to China companies and or Chinese companies, and then within like two weeks have things completely produced at your door. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine having been some of like the, the pioneers of the Iraq space that actually had to learn like product development skills or like how to actually find manufacturers and stuff versus all of these off the shelf, just like one click away websites nowadays that make yeah. it so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Once you like kind of like, I'm, I'm not keyed into it because I'm not like a, I, I, I come up with the ideas, but I don't know how to make circuits or anything um, or source parts, but like Lenny, Lenny has really figured that out. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. Like just how like, 
you know, rather than like breadboard it, it's like, well, I'm just going to like draw it out and in, in Eagle or whatever dip trace or whatever I'm using. And like, it's so cheap to get a couple PCBs sent and it only takes X amount of time. Like I might as well just like send me the, like send me the module made and I'm going to try it out, you know? And then if it doesn't yeah. work, well, it's not that big of a deal, but um, so yeah, if anybody out there listening wants to get into it, there, there are definitely avenues to like start, you know, prototyping your own stuff and, and, and figuring it out. Yeah. For anyone that listens to this, if they have any questions, they can ping me directly on Instagram and I'll copy and paste the cheat sheet that I've put together for people that are trying to do this in terms of just like dimension details for construction or different places to try sourcing things like faceplate manufacturers and stuff. More than Mm -hmm. happy to share that with anyone. I mean, in one sense, working on all these different things or trying to release all these different products and having no business plan that makes any sense on my end, like just being <laughs> able to share the information is kind of the biggest win. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's part of the, the whole Eurorack community, you know, like the modular community, uh, worldwide, you know, where everybody's all, like, everybody talks about it almost every episode it comes up. So I think listeners are probably nauseated by it, but it's just like, such an open welcoming community that people do share stuff like that even manufacturers like that are technically like each other's competition like share stuff all the time and yeah it's just it's it's really really cool yeah yeah and i think all analog circuit designs that we know and love are probably beyond the scope of any patent protection at this point in time so you can do anything you feel like (laughs) yeah right yeah just find these little pieces and then like put them all together and yeah um, well, so we only, we're already like 40 minutes in, we're like, we're ripping through this. Do you want to, um, do you want to like start walking us through some of the sounds and, uh, and, uh, some of the modules and, and let us, let us uh, get to know them a little better. Sure. I also want to say thank you to, uh, Board Brain. I've been really enjoying this, uh, injector that they sent me here. It's a great way to get your guitar or even this, I did use the Novation, um, to get, you know, your line level stuff up to Euro levels, but it also has a built-in envelope follower and gate generator. So you can generate your signals from your guitar to create a clock or whatever you want to do. So what I've been doing a lot is trying to make like this wah-wah pedal. I talked about this last week and I posted a a video uh, the other day using the injector with my guitar and then hitting uh, the 4MS shaped dual envelope VCA, which I think is going to be available. It's going to be released this week uh, or next week. It's this, I think it's the 10th. I'll have to double check on that, but I'll put a link in the show description. But this thing is super, super cool. Um, we talked about it quite a bit on uh, the the episode before last with Dan Green from 4MS, but I'm using the envelopes out of that that I'm triggering with the injector to mess with the uh, the cutoff time or the cutoff uh, values on the Razor, which is the one-to-one mutable blades filter uh, clone that ALA just released after later audio, um, and then using the Kamaniac phaser uh, and of course the Nautilus delay from Qubit and the Aurora. Um, and then I'm using the Board Brain EQ5 which I've talked about a lot lately and really, really dig that. It's just a really nice thing to have on the end of your chain to, you know, take out any, especially like with guitar, removing some hum, um, or just, you know, if you have like a big, big, broad stereo mix, it's nice to just get in there. Like five bands is pretty good, especially for a really big stereo mix. You can just, you know, minor, minor little tweaks, and then you can get your, uh, 
you know, you can get your your track recorded well, or it even would be pretty great in a live situation. That way you could like, you know, get something going and go out into the, on the floor and, and listen and, uh, you know, kind of take some mental notes. All right, yeah, I should probably duck this frequency down a little bit. So you can like tune your mix um, frequency wise um, uh, to your, uh, your surroundings so yeah thank you to board brain for that also i've got the the shuffling clock multiplier the new one that 4ms just released so it's the it's the same thing as the old version with the expander but it's just one module and if you want to just turn one simple uh gate just like a steady gate into like all these crazy multiplied but rhythmic uh gate uh, gate sequences um, and then all sorts of really fun modulation to kind of mess with those uh, then look no for further <laughs> than the uh, shuffling clock multiplier they've also got the smaller versions of the envelope VCA I think there are three different versions um, and those will all be out I think around the same time uh, and then the, the new mini peg which I'd really like to try out is basically their ping pingable envelope generator which is like a legendary module now they've got like it's like half of it but it's maybe a third of the size or yeah it's pretty small so nice and compact um also just want to give one more shout out to my friends at recovery effects they got the mystic this thing is super fun um and i believe those are available now and i think they ship at the end of the week if you've bought one yeah so i got this small little skiff um kind of the three black modules across the top or raw yam media specific step uh, on the the yellow with the red, the 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 products that you can buy don't don't have that. Is that right? Yeah. So this is actually just the custom builds I've been doing for myself, like okay. selling <laughs> modules just to get modules for myself for free kind of setup. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I like this yellow, like primary color, Buchla esque vibe with the rogue knobs. Yeah, I, I think, think it looks great. Yeah, a lot of the design language I've been trying to stick to for these modules is more. Um, like Bajas influenced or sticking to kind of primary colors. And uh, so this is what we've ended up with. But it feels like the red, blue, and yellow, since they're all primary, don't really contradict that design language. And it's been kind of nice to just tinker with different parts and see what looks cool. Yeah, I um, like it a lot. Well, thanks. And yeah, so in this top row, we've got like Monolith, which we've talked a lot about already on the podcast. And to the right of that is Dizygo, which is, you know, a, a two-sound oscillator. I guess it could be called two voices. You can play the sounds at the same time, or you can toggle between them. Uh, okay. We'll listen to that in a second. But then to the right of that is this Taurus module, which is kind of this pass-through sampler that we were talking about, too. Um, but I'll go ahead and just kick off, like, a simple loop with a sequencer off to the side that'll play into this Dizygo, because Dizygo has a built-in envelope, and that okay. envelope actually out so if you want to have the envelope drive different filters and stuff in your just kind of signal path that can be pretty cool but wait so you can um, send in an envelope and then pass that through so the envelope affects the oscillator but can just pass through the module no so it has a built-in envelope so like you oh, send a trigger the, signal okay. and, yeah so and what triggers use... that does it is there a trigger in or is it triggered by the oscillator yeah, so there's a trigger in for the oscillator that'll kick off that envelope. So it's it's basically just an envelope shaped to the oscillator, so it feels like a cohesive voice or something. Okay. Um, pretty simple, but the other takeaway is if you have like a gate signal and you don't want to use it for any of the sounds, you can actually just generate an NV envelope CV signal and use that to modulate different stuff. So 
Kind okay. of that world of like, how many outputs can you put on a module in addition to inputs so that, it, you know, it keeps modulating things further down the line. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt like mm-hmm. the envelope shape was a good one to have output just, yeah. you know, to drive filters and stuff since it's a digital oscillator and things like that. But B- before uh, it's we also go kind of cool on... to do some self-patching. Yeah. Um, will you just like with your hand, like show us like, like outline each module. Cause it's kind of hard to tell. It might just because my, my connection's bad, but like, where's the border oh, between each one? Yeah. So on the left here is the monolith. There's kind of a division here down the center. This middle one okay. is dizygote. So monolith okay. is 14 HP. Dizygote is, is 10 HP here. And Taurus is looking like it's going to be 16 HP. Um, okay. Taurus is the, the sampler, like step sampler stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, and so if you look here, like we've got the CV out of the Dizygo that you can kind of watch. We've got a button to trigger different stuff on here. Um, oh, cool. You can mess with like envelope lengths and stuff or put it into just always playing oscillator sounds. Nice. So you don't need a VCA with, with Dizygo because it's yeah, got that's... the envelope and VCA in there. Yeah, like it's definitely influenced by rings. I'm a big fan of rings. Um, okay. Or just any of the different modules that have these built in. Uh, I guess rings maybe isn't considered an envelope because it's some sort of like, what would that be considered? Just like timbre decay sort of thing. Whereas right. this is just like, you know, a VCA well, traditional Like envelope. elements then. Because like elements has a built-in envelope that you can shape. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's kind of uh, weird to say, but I'm very anti-VCA. Like, okay. I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial dig. That's, yeah, that is, is a that is a very hot take. Module of all time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like everyone talks about it so much. Is like oh, I love it for attenuation stuff, and it's like, well, I don't like VCAs at all. So <laughs> keep them out. <laughs> but yeah, so Dizygote here has like a button to trigger, so you can just kind of play along or, or just see what shape of envelope you have and stuff. And then it's got this other button here to switch between different voices. But I'll start out on this first voice just so folks can listen. So you can hear that. Yep. Pretty well. So it's just yeah. a traditional square shape, but um, so Dizygo is kind of this idea of fraternal twins or two different sound sources. Um, the first one is FM synthesis, so it's just like square wave FM synthesis. Uh, it's got this mod effect, which is kind of like the FM modulation amount. Okay. And so it gets into these like really 8-bitty sounds of like... Here are these different kind of like organ stop based uh, modulation amounts. So these uh-huh. quantized frequencies that sound pretty good. But then you can mess with the actual FM frequency of the modulator signal. Oh, nice. Which gets into like really gritty sounding kind of just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like you're trying to play melodic things. You're just trying to make like drum sounds or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, that's the yeah, first so that could easily be a drum voice too with that built in envelope. Yeah, yeah. And it's got like a pretty short envelope length, so you can do more like... Mm-hmm. Very cool. Different sounds and stuff. But then the Dizygote second voice is like a sine wave phase modulation-based sound. Okay. Um, it's kind of thinking in that world of like, hey, if you're going to make a digital oscillator, why would anyone want one? And for FM synthesis, having stuff that's like quantized pitch shifts, like that 8-bitty sound was kind of cool, but having phase modulation for a sine wave is pretty nice too, so... Mm-hmm. With that the modulation, so you can hear that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, oh, oh what? It's into like, like real crazy phase modulation sound territory. Yeah! Wow. 
And all of this is in stereo. Like, I know people don't like really fix stereo mixes sometimes, but this is just as thick as it comes. And uh, I figured if anyone doesn't like it, they can just fix it in a stereo mixer and like mess with panning and stuff. Like, I really like this Verbo Scan and Pan. And so I use that sometimes if, if it sounds too wide to just kind of make it a bit more mono. Yeah. But yeah, and so these sounds are like two separate, you can play them separately kind of thing, but the other thing about it is they're supposed to be played together and you get really weird rich sounds for having the FM synthesis stacked on top of the phase modulation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's just messing with like the modulation amount of the FM synthesis and the phase modulation modulation amount too. Yeah, this seems like a very fun module to actually like play. Like not just have the CV play it, but like in a performance setting, like you, you can be hands-on and interactive with it. Yeah, having like a little button that you can press is pretty fun. Um, mm -hmm. I think also too, doing things that are like self-modulating is kind of entertaining. So mm -hmm. listen to just totally. the like square wave by itself with the, the envelope shape out. So you hear oh, that, wow. like, uh -huh. you actually get, like, sweeping and stuff. Oh, wow, that's cool. Well, we can listen to it. But just some different sounds, self-modulating, not a ton going on, just kind of taking off the envelope with the button on and stuff. But you can hear so like this is all coming from Dizygote. Di There's no like external modulation happening. This is all built in right now that we're hearing. Yeah, yeah. So that's the built-in envelope just repatched into like the different CVs for these modulation frequency knobs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So let's can you go like LFO rate? Can you get it down to LFO to use it as a modulation source? Um, you know, I don't think I've capped it, but I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> Can you take a look, okay. another look at it? Because the <laughs> FM stuff, it, the FM one actually sounds kind of nice when you get into that low frequency territory or the like LFO modulation amount, but I don't really think that the phase modulation would sound as good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't have any other great modulation stores on here. Let's, well, actually, let's take a look at this. Well, because I'm, I'm think I'm just like this is kind of reminding me a little bit of uh, the Schlappy Engineering three body, like a, a smaller. Uh, version um, with two instead of three oscillators, but like it's got all sorts of cross modulation for FM and phase, and yeah, and uh, it gets pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, you know, all for anything that can self modulate and do anything crazy uh, just on its own. Um, mm -hmm. I do like the LFO stuff, but I think there is kind of a thought process of for a continuous path or like a continuous control voltage signal across like what frequency spectrum you want to be manipulatable. Um, and so it kind of bottoms out more in this. Like too slow at a certain point. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I kind of feel like I, you know what? In the development of this, one thing that I was looking at, and I'm not 100% sure on the modulation frequency if this is the case, was this envelope shape is does not have an attenuverter and is pretty much just like a 5-volt signal. 
And so thinking okay. that five volt signal and making it sound interesting into these, you know, modulation amounts or modulation frequencies, what I was actually doing is just flipping the signal. So it'll continue to apply some sort of CV manipulation. But um, I think what's happening here is it's actually hitting the base, like minimum frequency that we like, and then kind of going in the opposite direction. Okay. It's crazy to be in that world. Like, well, I can speculate. Not even wrote the code anymore. Like, right. Oh, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but yeah, so that's the Dizygo. Uh, just kind of a fun little oscillator. I think that's at 229 right now. Available at Patchworks. If you're in Seattle area, go check it out. They, I think they have it in the um, the demo as well. So yeah. Well, this is, yeah, it's, it's like, you, you know, you mentioned kind of inspired a little bit by rings, but I'm, I'm actually like getting, I'm getting some plats rings and then just kind of almost like, I know this isn't what this is, but like, it sounds like a plats rings, like wavetable, like combo, like the types of sounds that you can get out of it, which, and yeah, having that built in, um, envelope on it just like makes it so versatile and pretty small real estate wise too. So yeah, that's, I'm, yeah. Cause honestly, when I saw like, I went to your page, you know, just before I like to just look at stuff, uh, you know, the people that I'm talking to, I want to look at their stuff right before I'm chatting with them mm-hmm. to have it fresh in my mind. And, and, um, I was like, I know Chris, I know Chris is like, he has a lot of really crazy and wild out there ideas. So I'm like, what, why like why an oscillator like an oscillator seems like a weird thing to choose to get into and now that i have you know seen and heard it just now i'm like oh yeah okay yeah this this is totally this totally makes sense um yeah yeah it's funky i mean it's one of those imperfect things still like someone might come back and say hey it doesn't hold pitch correctly it's like well i don't really care i'm just gonna make weird percussive sounds with it anyway yeah (laughs) i I was just thinking i I want it as a a a drum voice i think it'd be an awesome drum voice yeah so it's been i I like it a lot i'd say for anyone it's kind of this funny world i've made no demo videos for it whatsoever i've just had it at a trade (laughs) show or two now so we'll see if that changes in the future but I mean, with this design too, like 10 HP, some of my other thoughts are it's pretty easy to write firmware. It's way more annoying to make hardware. So I'm also yeah. kind of debating like having this stereo oscillator set up, what other oscillators I'm going to force into this shape as well. Um, so oh, there might I be see. some other yeah. subsequent releases that look identical to this and some firmwares you can trade out that use all the same like buttons and LEDs, but um, probably different sounds, still all digital, of course, but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more future to this specific form factor that will get flushed out in the next couple of years. Just it's so easy to be like, oh, I'll just write an alternative firmware for this and ship it and not think about trying to sell anymore. Just thinking about what do I want in my actual case myself? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like Qubit's been like doing that with like the Aurora. Um, they yeah. already released like another uh, firmware for it. And I, I like switched that firmware and I, I don't, and it's got like a USB drive in the front. So you can just like really easily switch it. And I know they're like, uh, like the, uh, um, why am I blanking on the name? The nebulae, I think is like their big mm-hmm. s- like sampler. Like I'm pretty sure you could just like write whatever you want for that and just like make your own module <laughs> out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't really know how the Qubit stuff breaks down exactly. I mean, a lot of the modules I've been making thus far are purely digital and are based off the like Daisy Seed from Electrosmith. And mm-hmm. I think that that is somehow associated with Qubit. Like maybe it's the same founders that it have is. Made that yeah, open Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, Andrew from Qubit. Um, I believe that he created Daisy. 
Yeah. Yeah. He did. A lot of respect for them. Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be a fan of that stuff too. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. Just that alternative firmware world. Like I'm trying to think, I think noise engineering is another one of the big companies that ships Mm -hmm. the models. Like, wow, you can just change out the software for it. And we've written different softwares all for the same form factor. Yeah. Like I don't know. A lot of the mutable stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a funny world. Like they'll open source a lot of stuff, and it's like that's awesome. Like it's cool. You go write anything you feel like for that hardware, and just reuse it. Avoid buying new stuff. Um, I don't think I'll ever open source any of these exact um, programs, but I've been thinking about it for some of the hardware and stuff. Just like a hey, here, uh, go use this Daisy, you know, seed specific library extension, and, and be good to go writing your own custom software on this hardware. But that's probably still pretty far out. I think yeah. if I start doing more releases for this oscillator form factor, that maybe that'll be one of the first potentials to go and make it so other people can write stuff for it too. But well, I, don't I mean know. that yeah, that becomes like kind of a weird or like a, an interesting um, idea as a product is like okay, yeah, I'll ship it with this firmware, so you will have this instrument. But it's also like I I could see a lot of people buying it just so they could have the form factor to mess around with with their own writing and yeah. I, I think that's just like a really cool um you know feature to have on a product um because like it's got to be weird too to be like you know as, as shitty as it is that we live in a capitalistic society and if you want to really keep doing this and and be able to have it self-sustaining you do have to like sell sell the stuff you know so if you like yeah. you know like make one form factor and like everything you make you know, all the different firmwares can, can upload on it, then like you're kind of, you could be shooting yourself in the foot, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be a weird thing to be, I imagine you're constantly thinking about like all these different aspects and everything. Yeah. You know, I don't think I have great answers for all of them. Like I'm not going to claim raw yacht media is a successful company. It's probably a company that just burns money, but (laughs) has a good time doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like some of these firmware ideas, like realistically what it means is I have a different oscillator that I want to use in a performance and right, right. <laughs> um, I will be happiest if I get it working on the hardware I made myself, you know, yeah. so that's, that's more the point I'm at, but we'll see how it pans out. I mean, if you do want to get into programming things like the, I think the Daisy patch and it is pretty good. Like it's similar to size in this and it's kind of a pare down of the Daisy patch that I think is 20 HP. So you can kind of live in that world of something a little smaller while still programming it yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, but too much talk on Daisogo. We'll see what happens <laughs> in the future with it. We'll see yeah. if it sells at all. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to keep using it in my setup for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it sounds I'm I like I'm I'm now you have two modules that I'm like really excited about. <laughs> I'm like, "Ooh, I want I want those." Um, let's check out this last one here. Well, do you want to hear the monolith first? I'll just feed. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've gotten to mess with it much, but so we've got the Dizygo as a sound source. I'll just play like a simple sine wave. Um, so you can hear that sine wave sequence pretty good. Yep. So monolith, you know, it's got like this just standard reverb. We'll just turn it up and see what it sounds like. Just go all the way. Like I don't ever just turn it to like the knob all the way and just listen to that yeah but i really like having like this dj filter that can do like some high pass build up i don't mm-hmm. know if you can hear that pretty well versus other things that come in and just do like you can just sweep down to low frequencies yeah 
And so I tried to make model into something where you can just do like a wall of sound and let it ride and it shouldn't really just explode on you. Kind of just mm -hmm. really oversaturates and gets a bit gritty. But so that's just like the basic reverb sound. Um, the other thing about Monolith that's pretty popular is that it actually does this uh, FM processing too, so I'll turn that on now. Oh, wow. So you can hear that pretty clear, right? It's a little quiet on my voice. So. Yeah, you, you could, I think with the sine wave going in, it's a little quieter, so you, you could probably turn your mixer up a little bit. Can you hear the square right there? Yeah, there we go. So one thing oh, that's wow. cool about this, you know, when you think about FM synthesis with Monolith, what I really like about it is since it's a digital like FM processor, I can actually clock sync it. And so mm. right now we're just doing some square wave modulation, but it's in time. And so it's a pretty big like LFO territory modulation. Uh -huh. And so you get like this kind of dance that sounds more like a delay of actually like the higher end pitch shift versus the lower end. Yeah. But this actually supports shapes other than square, like there's some triangles which should feel a bit more continuous. Oh, nice. And we'll see what it sounds like if I just turn on like a basic kick, I guess. Because um, it was more like, hey, can I get like these FM modulation sounds to actually be in time? So bring the kick and see the sound. Can you hear that at all? Yeah, a little bit. Whoa. Holy shit. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, and you know, for people using this, like it has an on and off toggle, so you can hear it kind of fades between like, this is the FM sound versus the original clean sound. Okay. It's a, it's a pretty shocking difference when you listen to it. That yeah, totally. Day. I was just making something that sounded crazy out of something that sounded like a sequencer that, you know, back to the FM. Wow. Like these really low sweeping FM sounds are pretty sick for like a delay line for things that totally more like just noodling sounds because that was just, that's like a triangle shape FM operator, but we're moving into more like sine wave and it's just like... I'll turn off the drum too. And that's that's quantizable, right? Like you can turn quant quantization on and off on that FM. Is that right? Yeah. So, it like the maximum modulation amount is kind of like a plus two octave down two octave shift. Um, and quantize, you can pick like a one octave shift, or then getting more into like micro tonal areas. Oh, okay. Can you hear like that gradual kind of fluttering more than? I'll bring it to modulation frequency. Wow. And all of these knobs have CVNs, I'm assuming? 
Yeah, yeah. Stories are manipulatable. Uh, I'll call out that I'm actually working on a second firmware for this. Not like the drastically changing one, but one that cleans up some of the CDN filtering just for better modulation feel. Um, so if, okay. if you have one on the monoliths or if you end up buying one, keep an eye out because I'll probably push some sort of second updated firmware just as I play with this more and find the sweet spots I think would be cooler to share than build this end up in there. But, okay. But yeah, so this is kind of like the gist of that modulation amount. You can also turn off like the quantizing like you were asking about for like oh, wow. just like continuous sweet. You're right, it really does get into like a delay, almost like a delay kind of like feel um, yeah. when it's mixed with that reverb like that. It's crazy how too with like a square shape, um, it just feels like you're doing clean changes, whereas with like the sine triangle, it sounds like you're making something entirely new or that sweeping, like who knows if that's staying in mm -hmm. key at all, probably not. But having like those reference points of like the plus two aug versus down two aug kind of shifting is cool. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like like I was saying, like I'll just turn this on, I'll like turn on the, the high pass all on its own, you know, and just do like a yeah. full reverb build and i'll just let this run in my house for hours at a time like my yeah. girlfriend has to think i'm crazy at this point because this is what's <laughs> coming out of our speakers in the living room 24 7. it's just kind of like these washed out ambient sounds that like out of context you're like why the hell does your house sound like this and in my mind i'm like oh i finally came up with the sound effects of my life yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of the gist of the monolith i mean we haven't really messed a ton with like audio rate modulation Sound funky. Oh wow, it's almost like a like robot voicey kind of like foreman almost. Yeah, and so this actually has like a V opt-in for that frequency amount too, so you can do like traditional um, FM synthesis V opt tracking for that modulator signal and do like performances just in the FM modulation, which is is pretty sick. Awesome. But again, it's like back to, you know, the other thing about this too is I was thinking, you know, I didn't know why I didn't see very many digital effects that were kind of like FM operators. Probably because the, the actual algorithm I'm using is not great, but <laughs> it's like I've never really seen that in an effect. So like feeding vocals to this, you can see how you get real crazy sounds and, and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, but that was one of the reasons to release the monolith. Like, well, I want a standalone FM operator for just anything. Just, I'm lucky enough to have like a deck of dream and I'll feed it through this. Like I did a quad show where I had two monoliths for the front and back of the room. And you can uh -huh. really just run wild with like weird, um, like reverb pre-delays and FM modulation in front of you versus behind you and stuff. And yeah. Really oh cool. yeah. I want to run a guitar through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one of the favorites. Like I've got an acoustic guitar where if you get into this territory of like the clean square wave octave shifting, it just sounds like, it sounds wild. I imagine you could like make it sound like you're doing some really crazy like finger tapping or something. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I mean, I really like having this on and off. Like I was thinking I could get like a floor switch oh, yeah. CD control to actually just kick in between these effects and stuff. And you can imagine like a full guitar rig just excited to use this. Almost with a size I could really go too soon. That's the monolith FM processing on top of the Zygo. Wow. 
We'll turn up the reverb a bit more. On the mono. And so one other thing that's been a point of contention with different people I talk to is we have this blend knob. But it's kind of mm -hmm. cool because when you've got like this FM processing on, you can actually fade back your screen signal in the middle. And so sometimes yeah. when that FM processing is going on in the background, it just feels like a shimmer and you don't even realize how crazy it is if you just listen yeah. to it, like, the full clean signal on top. Just of the monolith from Dizaiga, these are kind of like sounds that I've gotten out of it, sound that I really enjoyed. It's a yeah, little quiet on my end, so I, I don't know if it's clipped a ton or if it's out. No, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm vibing on it right now. I feel like what you have going right now is something that I could leave playing in my house while I'm like doing the dishes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so now if you want to see you want to hear crazy. The Taurus is like an addition of this that's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on anymore. I'll start actually recording some of this in a second to show you like some of the Taurus sounds. So we've got kind of a clean signal going in. Mm -hmm. We did like a really fast 16 sample of that. I'll bring in that sampling into the mix. So what's cool now is there's like this doubling effect. Maybe you can kind of hear to an extent. Uh -huh. Like, hey, the recorded signal, it's not perfect relative to the actual incoming one that's the same still. But it's because you can do harmonic stuff. Oh, so wow. it's doing like actual clock sync um, recutting kind of thing, where then you can do like two times playback speed or... Whoa! And so that's more like, hey, can you just do like a harmonic overlay of the sound, right? Uh-huh. And so now you've got this knob to do like a play around with it. And, uh, the thing that's crazy is each one of these harmonics, right, it has a reset period. And so Taurus has tons of clocks out, like it's got the general global clock out, it's got the sequence reset out, and it's also got this harmonic out. So like you can have harmonic drive drum sounds and stuff and actually be mapped to like your recording Whoa. playback and things. Um, but you can kind of hear like the example there. And I like this too because then you can come back and do like different filtering in your input signal. Like let's just bring in like a high pass reverb sound on top of that. Taurus is like, right now it's kind of hard to tell, but we've got like these 16 steps sequence. Uh, the other thing that I was really interested in with it is doing like different octave shifting of those sequences. So I'm just going to kick it over to the recorded sequence for now. You can come here, there's that record sequence. Uh -huh. Again, you can mess with like harmonic amounts of it. Yeah. But the other thing that's cool about it is you can actually do like cut this playback speed in half, or like two times Whoa. slower. And so the key of this is like, I've got this sequencer's global clock going in, and it's like, hey, I want to do like octave shifts of this playback live, but I still want it to stay in time. And so that's kind of what this has been doing. Um, again, it might be good for me to bring like a kick in just to... So you hear how it's still kind of in yeah. time?
and that's kind of like closer to what the original was because uh -huh. downloading a bunch of those sounds and stuff. Or you can do like 2x faster. Oh my god. Holy shit, wow. It lets you Is do there's... really complex things too, because sometimes you want to do like a, a, you know, like three times as fast harmonic kind of speed, and you can get triplets out of it, and you can build these really crazy like rhythms with them and stuff. Okay. Is there a gate yeah. in to switch between the time? Yeah, so right now it's got a gate in to take a clock. It doesn't have gate ends for these aux buttons because it's kind of a weird queuing where it feels easier to do. Since you want it to stay in time, it doesn't snap those pitch shifts um, continuously. It's kind of like on the note, it'll update. And so oh, that's okay. like a manual effort. But like the okay. harmonica CVN2 to do like different effects. So you could actually have like a... I want this really bad. <laughs> yeah, so it's been this like interesting take of like, okay, if I want to record a bunch of stuff, um, like what do I actually do with it? Like for the sample cut up and like how much of that could I do live instead? Like having a bunch of playback speeds or like being able to toggle reverse and have it sound like tape skipping is kind of uh -huh. what I was seeking out with that and stuff. But just like, hey, we're going to send you a clock source. Good luck keeping up with it. Because I think you're listening to this right now with, like, the harmonic modulation, but you can kind of hear how it's, like, it's in sync still with the drums to an extent, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll bring that I mean, it, it all sounds like it's been relatively in sync, but, like, any out-of-syncness is almost like that cool, like, glitchy, like, um, or not glitchy, but, like, uh, kind of Jay Dilla, uh, fly low, like, kind of, like, stuttery, like, kind of coming in and out of time feel. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, like, some of the underlying clock stuff would be like, oh, I wish that the software responded better, but then you listen to it, and you're like, well, I'm kind of happy that it's skipping it. Yeah, no. I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to send, um, I'm going to send Daedalus uh, a message after oh. this and say... <laughs> You need to check this stuff out because I think you would really like it. Um, especially Taurus. Like, oh, uh, that's. I'm always looking for, like, new types of. Like, I feel like it's a sampler effect combo, and that's, like, how Morphogene is a little bit that. Like, that's, like, my favorite type of module. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think the Morphogen is going to be substantially different in, in terms of, like, becoming a sound source, having, like, the aux control over what you play back and stuff. But this one is just more of, like, hey, if you hit a, a delay that you, like, froze and then messed with, what would it sound like? Um, right, yeah. Uh, Yo, I, yeah, definitely wasn't comparing it to Morphogen, just more like, I'm, I'm, I just like stuff that is, like, kind of in that realm of, like, I'm putting a sound into it and I'm going to just, like, get something totally different out of it and... Like, yeah, that's that's yeah, my definitely. favorite. That's my jam. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is, like, record guitar into this and then just, like, you know, reverse all of it and just see what it sounds like. Because mm -hmm. another thing that's been entertaining is this has, like, a tap tempo clock. So if, oh, nice. it's actually pretty good for queuing. Like, if you took this sequencer clock in out and you wanted to just tap in a song and kind of, like, tap it in and then actually do, like, recording, like, I'll cut things off Spotify and just listen to it from time to time. Uh-huh. Oh, that's nice. like really funny like, a 
overdub looping recordings of like country music, <laughs> just <laughs> like hitting that chorus perfectly right, but then way down uh-huh. tuning the vocals and stuff. And it, it's just fun to mess with for sure. Like it's one of those things that's like. Uh, it's weird in its own world and it doesn't do everything 100% correctly but it does like 70% what I intend and maybe 30% of what I don't and that makes you know and that yeah and that that percentage that you're not intending is sometimes like the sweetest spot yeah happy accidents still kind of underway like the harmonic stuff all feels real good the pattern chaining feels a bit clunky still needs some more love but I don't know I really like just having this as something running in the background. Yeah. 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 So cool. Aspirations Um, for 2023. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I have big aspirations as well. Maybe you and I should uh, be our accountability buddies. (laughs) That sounds perfect. (laughs) I'm looking forward Um, to seeing that pop up of the, like the module music, beer space and Tacoma next week. Oh my God. That's yeah. That's so far away. Um, (laughs) Well, Chris, I'm so excited about these modules. I'm like, I'm dead serious. Like, like I've, I've heard a little bit of the monolith, so I knew that was cool. Daisaigo, like that, like blew my mind a little bit. And then Taurus, I cannot wait to, to see like the finished version of that. Like that, that seems like something that I really, really could use in my kit. Um, so yeah, fucking A, man. Uh, is there anything? Yeah out from the modular mountaintops before we sign out here? Uh, just anti-VCAs, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'll be known for in the community. I love it. I it's love just it. a guy that hates VCAs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think I, I have anything to call out. Um, you know, I think any plugs on upcoming shows, I don't think I have any upcoming shows, but I'd say folks, if they're not checking out Basement State currently and are in Seattle... Uh, keep an eye on them because they do a lot of random like phone call in day of events that you can only kind of get the location through either knowing someone or calling a hotline they set up. So oh my god, keep an that's eye for basement stage shows. And I'm thinking, other than that, I think there's a show December seventh maybe for uh, Connie in Accuracy. Is that right? Um, man, I gotta get better at show plugs. Well, send me, send me the links and I'll throw them in the uh, the show description. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing's always coming up, the modular, uh, like, easy bot shows for the, the Tuesdays at the arcade. I oh, think right, I'll go to the yeah. one this upcoming week. So if people are trying to uh, see me tomorrow, even though this podcast comes out probably in a week, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I hope you hear about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh. uh. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Um, yeah, and don't forget to check out all of uh, all of uh, Raya's stuff online. Again, link in the show description. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Cool. Thanks for having me. It's nice. Absolutely. I feel like I listen to your podcast a lot nowadays. Uh, it's been the most consistent one, and I'm going to give it credit for that. All right. Well, thank you. That's, that's one of my, that was one of my goals going into it. Everybody's like, can't you just do it every other week or like once a month? And I'm like, absolutely not. Because I listen (laughs) to podcasts every week and I want my favorite podcast to come out every week. So that's, that's, I think I've only missed like maybe three or four weeks total over the last five years. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. 
Thanks. You it's... know, I feel like you talk sometimes about the criticism you get for putting this on, but fuck them, you know? Like, there's just people <laughs> doing things and there's people speculating, and you're one of the folks doing things. So, I got a lot of respect for you. Thanks, man. I really, really appreciate that. Um, cool. All right. Now into the, 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 the fun, the fun, uh, well, fun for me, the bonus Patreon stuff. I, I don't want to put any, especially if I'm talking to a, you know, if I'm talking to an artist or a manufacturer who's like promoting something new, I'm not going to put that behind the paywall. So I figured what I want to do is just ask random, funny, weird, uh, philosophical (laughs) questions to my guests. Um, so I have three questions, and I'm actually I'm going to stick with these same three questions. I think uh, for for a while because you're going to get such wildly different answers. Um, mm-hmm. So I, actually, I talked with Dan Green from uh, 4MS just a few hours ago today, and he answered these very questions. So you'll be able <laughs> to like hear hear both. Um, but the first question is: Does the vastness of space impact the way you perceive yourself? That's our show. Thank you for coming back to Podular Modcast. Don't forget that I am taking submissions for holiday music. Uh, you can send your WAV files to podmodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Patchworks for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Thank you to After Later Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Um, thank you to Novation for this summit. This is pretty sweet. Um, I'm telling you, I love this thing. I'm having so much fun. And it was, it, you know, it's really funny too, is it's so obvious. And I've, I've had this, uh, this realization or this, this revealed to me multiple times since getting into, um, into modular, but you spend so much time in modular trying to build out big tracks and stuff. Um, when you get a nice intuitive desktop synth that you don't have to use patch cables and you can just like instantly start making music it's so nice and it's such a nice burst of for my creativity um so yeah i'm really excited to have uh what is definitely the nicest piece like single piece of electronic gear i think i've ever owned um you know because it's all individual modules that you know that make up the system so obviously my Needham case full of all these modules is the nicest thing I've ever owned. But just for as a, you know, one piece of gear, this might be nicer than any guitar I've ever owned too. Um, yeah, I love it. Where was I? <laughs> um, I would really appreciate it if you would jump on the old Patreon and support the show. You can get the answer to, uh, you can get Chris's answer to the philosophical questions. And I've already put up Dan Green's bonus episode and Greg Markle from Recovery Effects bonus episode. Uh, and right now they're just living on YouTube because that seems to be the best way to have it be private and where I can share a link to where uh, the Patreon subscribers can get access to it. I don't want to do private links on my uh, my podcast platform only because there's only so much um, storage I can do. And I just recently had to upgrade because I've got, you know, over 200 episodes. And if I do the bonus episodes there, then um, then I uh, will be essentially doubling what I need to put up there every week. Um, so 
maybe I'll get a, a SoundCloud going because I know not everybody's super into YouTube, and if you don't have YouTube, like Prime or whatever it is, Premium, uh, you can't play it with your with your screen off, so that is kind of annoying. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll get a, a, a SoundCloud going there. Thank you to BoardBrain. Please check out um, the uh, the injector and the EQ5. Uh, and what else do I got? I got the uh, the exchanger as well, which is specifically made for um, getting your line level stuff to Euro levels. And then there are also two channels where you can get either a stereo signal or two mono signals from Euro to line level. So it's a really nice way to interface something like the Novation Summit or, you know, your Mystic or your Strega or your Soma Enter or whatever you want. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Podular Modcast. If, uh, if you're one of those people who likes to put positivity out into the universe, um, I would appreciate if you would reach out to old, old universe herself and, uh, you know, put some nice thoughts out there for my mom. I'm, I'm hoping that she's going to be okay, but, uh, yeah, it's scary. I hope I didn't bring anybody down, but I just like to share with you. All right. That's it for this week. Until next week, this week's, uh, this week's secret word to put on the Instagram post about this episode is let's find a cool word on the synth here hmm well these are oxford oscillators let's just do oxford oscillator that's pretty fun okay i'm done i'm done rambling until next week <laughs>